Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ilah, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. Welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly, the first RZ Weekly in 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. So I'm here with Harav Johnny Salman. Hello, Harav Johnny. Hello, Shalom, Kvod Harav. Kvod Harav. Harav Anit Mali Brasky. How are you doing, Mali? Baruch Hashem. So Mali, tell us about your uh, your New Year's Eve party. How was New Year's <laughs> Eve for you? Yeah, so uh, I did not have a New Year's Eve. The truth is, I, we did, I did something very cute, which started last year. Which was I have you know how we all have what's friends over drinks yeah know? right exactly that was us partying <laughs> woohoo no I have two friends who are my age so we were all it's all you know late at night so either we're getting ready for bed or washing up after Shabbos so last year last year we decided to have a video like a like a WhatsApp video call the three of us at midnight so. We did that again this it's year. Not a new it was, nice. It nice. was cute. It's just a nice way. These friends from like, you know, 1986. So it's really nice to connect with them. Johnny, what did you guys do in, uh, in Evan Shmuel? Uh, I, I'd been giving a shiur Motzei Shabbat in Modi Inn and I was coming back and I think I arrived home a few minutes after. No, a few minutes before midnight, I was at the bakery making sure I bought bread for my kids' lunches the next morning. Because don't forget, we have what school here open, on Sunday. What bakery is open at midnight? No, they fit. They close at midnight. Better lechem in Kiryat Gat, one of the best in the world. Anyway, so <laughs> ten to midnight, Live I go learn. there saying, I, I go there and I say, I need bread for my kids' lunch tomorrow morning. They say, Listen, it's nearly midnight. I say, Yeah, I know it's nearly, but you close at midnight. Man, I need to make the lunches. So that's what I did. I got home about twelve o five and then kind of prepared my Rambam shift for the next morning. So ah. it wasn't the most radical of things. But uh, those are places I was visiting. So I was busy watching NFL football, which is a gracious a grace of uh, of. Uh you know, being seven hours in advance, which is one of the benefits of Aliyah is you can watch Sunday night, Sunday football at, at night and uh, enjoy it at its proper time. But we digress. I guess none of well, us that, really That was Moet Shabbos. How was it yeah. Sunday football? Well, because there was football on Friday, I think. I don't know, whatever. Maybe oh. I was sleeping. I don't remember. Uh, we, we can, you can see that all of us really celebrate New Year's Eve. Anyhow, um, <laughs> so it's good to be back. Have a, we wish you a wonderful new year to our listeners as well. Today, we decided we, f- we should dedicate our episode to Harav Chaim uh, Drukman, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, whose uh, passing was strongly, strongly marked here in Israel. It was very, very strongly felt. And uh, the feeling that many of us got here was that there's just a very strong disconnect. 
Who is this rabbi, Rabbi, rabbi Drukman? He was not well known at all to me when I was in Chutzlaretz, and I think to many of our colleagues and our friends and our listeners uh, in Chutzlaretz, they really don't know much about Rav Drukman. So we decided first we would take some time, and I interviewed uh, a gentleman who lives in my community named Naftali Kendler. Naftali lives in Yamin, but for 15 years he worked for Rav Drukman. He was the mankal of the yeshiva Hezder in Oretzion, and then worked for Rav Drukman very, very closely in uh, the Rehakaz Yeshivot Bnei Akiva. And so first we'll have a, an interview with Naftali to share some of his remembrances and thoughts about Rav Drukman from a first-person point of view. And I hope that all of you um, get a little bit of a new appreciation for him. And then we'll come back and we'll discuss what we heard and some of our thoughts about Harav Jukman, the phenomenon that he represented, and some of our thoughts about, about his life and about his passing. So let's go to the let's go to the audio tape. Okay, we're here with it's a real pleasure to welcome Naftali Kendler uh, to the RZ Weekly podcast. Naftali is not only a neighbor of mine, also a good friend of mine, but Raftali was Zoche to have an extremely close relationship with Rab Drukman um, for many years, for a number of years, when he worked with him in Yeshivot Bnei Akiva and Yeshivat Or Etzion. So uh, Naftali, if you, wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind, please share with us, first of all, how did you get to know Rab, Rab Drukman, Zechat Tzadik Livracha, and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your working relationship with him. Um, okay, thank you very much. And... Uh... I was like to be an avrich in Yeshivat Oretzion. I started my Hesda program in another yeshiva, but then I moved to be an avrich in Yeshivat Oretzion, and I learned in the yeshiva for five years. And an avrich, um, we had three kids in the yeshiva. It was the best time of our lives. Um, and being a Talmud, that's, that's, that's the beginning. But then, um, as a Talmud, we lived in Kiyat Walachi, one of the poorest towns in Israel. And the Rav told us, if we're there, we need to start working, uh, do our work. So we started the Garin Torani in Kiyat Walachi at the time. And I was the manager of the Garin Torani uh, later on. Um, there I was a rabbi of a shul. Um, and I, 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 I don't practice as a rabbi. I don't, I, I don't like people turning to me as a rabbi. But but I was the rabbi for 14 years of a Moroccan shul in wow. Kiatalachi. Wow. Um, and then I founded the Mechina, which was under of Drukman. Um, and I ran it for seven years. And after that, of Drukman called me and asked me to come and run his yeshiva. Um it's so, amazing you did all that before you were 25. I mean, because you're, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. Add, add the numbers. So so so, so it takes it, take, it takes it takes time. But 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 Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, uh, it was a big big schut for me that my Rav, that I is from him, calls me and asks me to come and run his yeshiva. And when I started running yeshiva, that was a time also that the gil all over Israel was uh, in dispute and and in a, in, a, in a big argument. And we started the biggest program conversion program in the yeshiva. Um, Wait, we, this was we after Rav Drukman had created the Maracha Giyur? Right, after... right, right, yeah. Rav Drukman created the Maracha Giyur in 1990. Right. Um, I, I was in high school then. Okay, but, but... so, and then we remember when, when the Rabbanut, when members of the Rabbanut, the Rashid came out and criticized him and, and 
I'll tell you a good story. I, I, I was in the hell of the yeshiva for two months. And, and, and that, 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 that crazy psagdin came out uh, um, saying that all the giurim of Vukun then was uh, 30,000 giurim uh, uh, um, are, are um, on a kosher. And, 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 and the Rabbanut uh, uh, dismissed that, 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 that crazy psak. But um, at the time, the Haredi world and the religious Zionist world weren't, weren't in a good shape. Uh, and they were talking to each other, and I came, I came, I came, I came to the Rav, and I told the Rav uh, after you know in, in the papers they used to call him Chaim Drukman, they didn't call him Rabbi Drukman, um, and I came to the Rav, I told the Rav, we have to fight back, we have to do, and the Rav put his hand on my hand and tells me Naftali, the only thing we do is add giurim. If you want to do something, work. Don't we, we 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 don't fight. Uh, so this is a this is a beautiful story. So tell us a little bit about what you think the like why like the main contributions of Rob Drukman. Who was he? We're talking to an American audience. You should just understand you're in America. I'm actually talking to Naftali in America. Thank you very much for getting up early to talk to me. Americans, I don't know if you know, they have very little concept of who Rob Drukman was, and and it's there's such a disconnect here. He was such a big figure, and everyone knew who he was in America. They don't. So if you're talking to American and English speaking audience around the world. What would you want them to know who Rav Drukman was and how did he become the, the, the leader of the religious Zionist community that he became? So, 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 so uh, um, we think of a great rabbi as a person who has a safer in his hand every moment and doesn't stop learning and, and um, he's a big tzaddik, he gives brachot, uh, he has the best divrei Torah. Uh, those are imaginations for the big gdoilim. Vukman, I could say, I could say, all I said, I could say about him. But Vukman was a very, very, very practical person, and 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 the way he was the gadolador was that everything he did was out of Torah. When he went to be an MK four times, it wasn't because he was he had an ego of a chaver knesset. He, he didn't have an ego of a politician. None, nothing, nisht. Uh, uh, um, uh, when Rotsuyud told him he needs to be a Chavar Knesset, he cried. He told him, he told Rotsuyud is Rav, Rotsuyud a cook. He told him, why? I'm a Mechanech. That's what I want to do. And Rotsuyud told him, you have to go. This is your Shlichut. And Rav Drukman went, does everything he does. He doesn't, he doesn't mind about, about COVID, doesn't mind about himself, about nothing. Koyach doesn't count, money doesn't count, cover doesn't count. Everything is what Am Israel needs. That's, that, that, that's, that, he, he's a Shaliach Neeman from, from every mission that we have in the religious Zionist uh, movement came to his table. Every mission, nothing didn't pass him. Uh, so, so, so the establishment of Gush Munim and all Yudav Shamon started in his table. The, uh, um, the, 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 the religious Zionist movement, he, 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 he was the, the Gadolador, not because he was the Poisek, or like the Haredi Poisek, but every kind of um, a, a question that they have, they had to put it to his table. And he, had, he, he was able to have all sides of the debate around his table with a lot, a lot of covered from the liberal 
uh, Rabbanim until the ultra uh, uh, orthodox Rabbanim in the religious Zionism. In the religious Zionism. They all respect him very, very much, and they all knew that that, that whatever he says, it's 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 not it's not because he has his agenda. He will listen to everyone, and they all, and the end, they will all, 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 all know that he is is a ishemet. Now, also, also as a rosh yeshiva, he's not he's not a regular rosh yeshiva. You know, uh, um, we all learn to yeshivot, and and the rosh yeshiva will give a shiur klali once a week, another shiur in Pasha they'll give three, four, five shiurim a week. That's what they give. All, all mm-hmm. the other rabbim will give other shiurim. Rav Drukman gave every 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 week in the yeshiva at least 18 shiurim, at least. There were, there were weeks he was giving 25 shiurim. <laughs> every student in the yeshiva would meet him. He would, every shiur would come to his house. Um, he would give every shiur at least three shiurim a week. Shabbatot, people rest Shabbatot. Shabbat for Rav is eight shiurim. Wow. He doesn't rest. Everything. Let me, I'll ask you, what do you think his main, his main achievements were in his, in his lifetime that he left for Am Yisrael? If you decide, you know, pick, if you can pick a main one or two. First of all, I think, I think he was asked, I don't think he was asked how he wants to be remembered. He said, "I want to be remembered as a mechanic." That's um, and, and and you know. So uh, that his Talmudim remember him that way. You know, and the rest of us who have heard of him, you know, and even read his books. That's not that's not the prism that, through which we know him. Right, right, right. I, I, I was I was I was at, at, at the age of seventy five um, to convince. No, yeah, it was, no, it was late, later on. It was the age of seventy seven, seventy eight. I was I was there to come to Brooklyn and convince him to start writing his books. And, and he dismissed me at the beginning. And we did a huge, it was a 35 yeshiva, a year's yeshiva a, a event for the yeshiva. And, and, and I told him for the event, we want to do a book and, and, and it's for the yeshiva. And, uh, and we're going to have all the uh, graduates of, of, of the yeshiva bench in the, uh, bless in the, in, in the book. And 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 um, by that uh, they'll donate. So we said, okay, if you need it, I agree to to, to 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 do something. And then the first book came out, and he loved the first book. And then Baruch Hashem, today we are with twenty five books. Wow. Uh, in, in 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 just over ten years, it's 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 amazing. And and, and there'll be it's inspiring to think what you could do later on in life, even even that. So right, okay. right. It, 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 it's 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 amazing, uh, and there'll be more books coming c- coming out because 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 we didn't take out at all of Drukman's forum on uh, Torah of Cook. Mm. It was all his books. His, his, I know you have on the Chagim, you have on the Parshiot. I know you have a lot, a lot of Kavot, Kima Kima, Tzionut. It's a whole book. There's one in English as well. A brilliant book in English. Ah, there's a book in English. Can you can you explain his role again for Anglo's who didn't grow up in Israel? Explain his role, like they, they introduced him as the Rosh Yeshivat, you know, Yeshivot B'nai Akiva. The, like he was, he was, from what I understand, not involved in B'nai Akiva. He was B'nai Akiva, if that's appropriate to say. Is that is that true? Can you explain what his role was in the promotion and the growth of the B'nai Akiva movement? So, 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 so there are two B'nai Akiva. Uh, uh, there are more than two B'nai Akiva. Rukun was one. Okay, he, he 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 he. As he said, he was Nakiva, and he held all the uh, uh, all the puzzle. But there is the yeshivot Nakiva, 
mm-hmm. which are 70 yeshivot all over Israel. They have Hesde yeshiva and high school yeshiva and girls yeshiva um, all over Israel. And Rukhwan was sitting on the board of everyone in the yeshiva as a chairman. And he visited all the yeshivot and they all went in his, in, 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 in his way. And every, every, every kind of um, uh, big she'ela that uh, the, the yeshiva had, they all has, they, all ha- they always had the the the, the Rukman as the gadol uh, um, to go and and uh, talk to and ask him, and he was the leader uh, of the derech of 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 the yeshivot. Uh, before him was Rav Neria, um, he was the founder of uh, yeshiva Bnei Akiva, and there is the Bnei Akiva movement. Which is Bnei Akiva Israel, the youth movement, the youth movement, right? And there is this world Bnei Akiva all over the world. There's North America Bnei Akiva. They're all under the umbrella of of, of the youth movement Bnei Akiva and the the the, the, the Mushava and everything. Rav Rukman, uh, uh, first of all, Rav Rukman was in the states for two years. In the fifties, uh, he came as a shaliach um, for two years. Well, and he was connected to both. He was in, he was the head of both of those. He, he, he was he was he was he was the head of Obrei Akiva uh, movement. Uh, but, 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 but more than that, uh, Rukman every year wore his chulzat nuah, his his his, his, his shirt, and went to the vida of Bnei Akiva. He went to the to the to the to, to, to the to the, um, the 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 seminar that they do that they have all the decisions for the year. Um, about what's the the subject of the year? What's what, 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 uh, different uh, debates that the teenagers had every year? Rukun was sitting there as a teenager, right? And 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 he insisted that his vote counts as every vote. He, he, he doesn't have uh, um, the 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 overruling vote of of, of the Gadol And he used to argue with 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 with, with teenagers. Uh, uh, um, the same level and and hear them out and tell them his 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 ideas and um, it's a great story a friend of mine told me that um uh, he took a Rukman to the vida in europe uh, they went they, they, they went to the seminar in europe and Rukman was there and uh, again he 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 he, 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 was, he was acting as one uh, um, of the group and he was telling me that um they voted and they all voted against Rukman's opinion and 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 he was very very ashamed. Uh, this is, is, is telling me they came from Belgium. Uh, he went with the Rav to the to, to, to the Bnei convention in Europe, and he felt and he felt embarrassed. That, uh, um, how could Rav Rukun argue? And then they won't listen to him. And when they finished the the convention, Rav Rukun walked out and he told his Talmud, "There's a lot what to do here in Chinuch." That was his, <laughs> he, he, he wasn't he wasn't angry. He said, "Okay, so the, 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 this is their opinion. This is what they want." And, and and my job is to know that I have now a big mission, Chinuch, to work on Rob Nakiva. Uh, this is this is part of what we do. So I want to I want to we we don't have that much time. I don't want to take too much of your time. Actually, we don't have much time. Um, it seems to me that he was sort of from an older generation. He tried to get everyone to come together and everyone to be under the same tent and everyone to be a Bnei Akiva. And like you said, he like everyone respected him, but. As the years went along, the world, the religious Zionist world has split. And there's, as you know, there's more Chardal and less Chardal and Torah uh, and and then, the, you know, Kav. Is there a, is there a place for Rav Drukman and, and a personality like that in the religious Zionist world? Or he came from a different generation, that he had a critical role, but that kind of person, you know, like it's, it's hard to see another Rav Drukman coming in the, in, in the near future. 
First of all, we, we, we will see. Uh, uh, let's wait and see. Because people, you, you understand my question. I mean, yeah, would I you agree? Would you agree that that is an accurate assessment of the way he saw things and tried to, to keep things? I I I I, I could tell you that I asked him more than once who is going to be a successor, mm. and why doesn't he nominate people uh, to take over a different tafkidim uh, he has? And I think Rukman didn't feel it's his job to to nominate Gdoleidor uh, and to nominate people to, to to be leaders. They they grow into it. And and he, he, he always said, "Lo alman Israel, I'm Israel. Everything is." Kadosh Baruch deals his sends his gedolim to lead every door according to what they need, and somebody will take leadership. I'm Israel. Will he doesn't need to create another Rav Drukman after him? So 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 he didn't he didn't appoint Rosh Hashiva. Uh, although his son-in-law was president, he was going to take over the yeshiva, and he didn't appoint uh, somebody to be the chairman after him. Although right now, Rav Yosho Weizman from Maalot is going to be the chairman of Yeshiva Akiva. But, but 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 I don't think there's going to be someone uh, um, really going to step in to as a one person to be Rav Drukman. Um, there isn't. Um, we don't have uh, such a personality who could really uh, uh, talk to and combine, be respected by all parties, even if they argue with him, they don't agree with him, but they all respect him very much. They all admire him. They all understand that he's an Ish Emet. And, 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 they, and, and they don't feel uh, that they can't argue. They don't feel they can't talk to him. Uh, they always come back to him. That's the uh, 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 it, it, it doesn't take think personally and 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 and, and uh, he has covered all ideas, and he could disagree, and 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 he could say his things, and he could say out out, out, out loud, but it won't be uh, um, from 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 personal um, way that 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 that, that, that brings to a dispute. So, if I ask you in your mind, what would you say his lasting legacy will be? That in five years we'll say, oh, this is this is something that we have because of Reb Drukman. Um, I think we have a strong Tzionudotit, very, very active, very um, confident in its way, um, believes that uh, it has a role in the Geula, in, 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 in the, the, the Binyan of Eretz Israel, um, and um, that we have to work. It's 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 not it's, it, it won't happen without our work. That's that uh, that he 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 was a worker. He 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 he, he was a big mamin, uh, and and the biggest emunah of his of his was that we have to do uh, we have to bring the gula. Okay, um, I'm going to conclude by asking one question, which you can actually uh, decide if you don't want to answer. Uh, but it's an issue that that comes up over and over again in the in the in the um, I'm say keep saying American, but in the English language social media and articles, which is one of the issues that that um, really that people remember about Reb Drukman was his support of Rav Mati alone, you know, and he allowed him to teach in the yeshiva. So I think I, I don't know if you were there in Oretzion at the time, but. Can you comment on that? People in America, that's really what they remember. And it's painful because it's such a, it's a tiny part. It's a tiny aspect of his, of his, you know, incredible achievements for Klai Israel. And um, 
can can you explain why he allowed that to happen and uh and or or are you just uh... no no i i i i first of all i i i was there i i wasn't only there um i was um very close to some of the big criticizers of of the rav and had to argue with them and answer them and 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 it wasn't easy um at all but I could say, I, 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 I'll, try, I'll try to say a few things. One is that Rav Drukman, um, part of his koyach is that he, not, not, nothing disturbs what he believes. Okay, so, so, so when, when, when huge donors came over to me and told me we, we will stop our donations to yeshiva, and, and, and tell the Rav, and I, I, I was the menahel of the, uh, the of the yeshiva, and I came to the Rav, so listen, someone's so cool, and he's going to stop the the, the, the donation. What, what, what am I going to do? It's it, 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 it's hurting the yeshiva, and the rav wouldn't listen to anything. The rav had his emet, and nothing will move him from his emet. So that's one story about the rav. I'll say that there were two big phases with the rav Moti alone. I'll start with the second one. Okay. The second one when, uh, was, was after the big uh, argument with all the oilam. And I mean, there was, a, there was a protest of American rabbis. There was a petition and, and, of and, and, many and, American and rabbis. And the stood behind Ramot Yelon. And then they caught Ramot Yelon a second time with uh, uh, abusing a, a Talmud. Ramot called Ramot Yelon with a lot, a lot of agony and a lot, a lot of pain, and told them that he's stopping all the shiurim, and he won't give him uh, baggage, and um, he, 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 he called the Beidin with Oshmul and of Drukman, and a third rabbi, I don't remember who was the third rabbi in, in the Beidin, and they um, stopped of Moti alone from any kind of shiurim. It was, it was, it was a big pain for, 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 for the Rav, for two things, one because he understood he, he had a mistake in the first time, uh, um, and and he was very close to Ramoti and he loved Ramoti as a son, um, and and um, it was it was it was yeah, he I think I think Rukun felt um, yeah I don't want to say things that are not accurate by the Rav, but but but, but I saw the pain. Okay, so, so 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 I don't want to say other things, but, but I, I saw the pain that the Rav had, that I've had after the second time that Rav Moti was uh, uh, was caught. The first time, Rav Drukman didn't believe. Rav Drukman didn't believe it's true. Mm. He thought that uh, Takana uh, were doing um, wrong. Uh, they were wrong in their attitude, and and I know to say that some of the things they did weren't appropriate. But uh, um, and Avdukun fought. Avdukun fought uh, against them, uh, believing that two things. Aleph believing that Raboti wasn't uh, didn't do the things. He 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 believed that in his all, in all his heart. Uh, um, there were papers coming in uh, and arguments and thoughts of going to court. And at, 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 at the time, there was a big group of people believing Raboti. Uh, um, that it's all lashanara uh, and 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 true and Rudrupan was there, um, and 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 then when um, when 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 they convinced him that it's very sad and it's and it's true, 
So he was the one to, 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 to send him out. Now, now, now pe- 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 people could uh, um, argue, how could you believe? And Lichtenstein said, and, and, and Gdoilim said, and they didn't, they, 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 they didn't believe. And, 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 and uh, um, there, were, there, there were things there that weren't done uh, in the correct way. And I, 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 I can tell you stories of things that were there, but, but, but it doesn't matter. Now, I, I just think it's important to, on the one hand, address, but I actually still want to, I, I wanted you to address it, but I, I feel like in, in, with my, my friends, you know, not in Israel and in, in, my, in my, I guess, Anglo community, I feel sad that that becomes the thing that they remember as opposed to understanding and appreciating his 90 years of, of service and dedication to Klal Yisrael. And halavai that you know, not halavai that we should make mistakes, and halavai that should be you know we should we should always make the right decision. But I, I think it's important to address, and I appreciate sharing from your own personal perspective. But I don't I don't want to go on and on about it. I think it's more important to remember the incredible achievements that he that he did in his life. And I, I will say the one thing that was so impressive to me that I didn't know about was how how many people wrote about and talked about his just his tirelessness. Like at all times of the day and night, and just like you know, his dedication to individuals and to, to private people and to just people off the street, and his willingness to help anyone, and that's something I never his, knew. His, but his, uh, his, his his house was was a house which was open to you and im and his house was bedvad chachamim. His house was a pirkei avot mehalich mamish. He really had. In his house, he had a uh, in his house. It, 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 it's an incredible house. The 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 the, the you know. What, what, I, I have I, to I, say, I, you were going to mention his wife seems like a pretty cool lady herself. Amazing, you know. I I <laughs> I, 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 I flew out with with her a few times, and one of the times I came back home, and Racheli, my wife, was telling me, Naftali, you're not talking about the Rav, you're talking about the Rebbetzin. I came home from a week with with, with, with them together. And we slept in a small apartment, uh, a, a one-bedroom apartment. I was, I, I, I was in a lounge, uh, there was a bedroom, and, and, and we were we were 24 hours, seven, 24-7 combined. And I came back home admiring the Rebetzin. Uh, Mama, she, 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 she's an extraordinary person. Uh, and uh, the Rav is the Rav. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm his Talmud. But, 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 but it's, 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 it's an amazing, amazing family. And they have kochot, Baruch Hashem, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu should send her for Shleiman for many years uh, as well in Nechama. And um, yeah, Baruch Hashem. Okay, Naftali Kenner, thank you, thank you so much. He was, he was, he served as the Mankal of Shivat Oritzion for many years. He was a Talmud of Rav Chaim Drukman Zatzal for many, many years. Thanks so much for taking the time to share with us your thoughts and your memories of of Rav Drukman. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Some parents homeschool, others don't live near a school, and others simply can't afford full-time Jewish day school. Each of these families needs a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. That's why I created Kita. Kita is serious online Torah learning at an affordable price. With Kita, middle school-aged children receive online lessons each week through their Google Classroom, and then participate in weekly Zooms with other kids from around the world. Children can enroll in the Chumash and Navi plan and study Chumash Shemot and Navi Shmuel, or in the Mishnah and Gemara plan 
where we're learning Mishnah Brachot and Gemara Elu If you'd like to give your child a leg up in his or her Jewish learning, now's a great time to join Kita, as our second semester begins on January 2nd. To learn more about how Kita can help your children grow and thrive in Jewish learning, visit kita.org and fill out the form. That's kita, K-I-T-A-H, dot O-R-G. Okay, we're back. Wow, that was really a fascinating, I found it fascinating just to hear Naftali's personal experiences. So, uh, Molly, I'm going to start with you. One of the things that, actually, Molly, I think I'll start with Johnny. One of the things that, uh, that really struck me that I never knew about Rav Drukman, that, that, that people described about him was how dedicated he was to just regular people how his house was always open and literally till all hours of the night and you could call him at 2.30 in the morning and he would always call you back. And um, that was really moving to me. That is something I just really never, never knew about. And it really brought home to me how so much of, of Rabbanus or being a gadol is about the personal, you know, about seeing every person and, and, and seeing the needs of every individual. And uh, it made me think actually in retrospect about how many people, like in the Haredi world, went to go see Gedolim. They, even if they would, they, they would get a bracha batzlacha, for some people, for many, many people, that individual visit was extremely significant for them. And great people understand that, that's, that they, they have to give attention to every single person. And that, re- that really struck me very powerfully, you know, mm-hmm. that Rav Drukman was available and cared about every single person. But Johnny, I, I was thinking to myself, like he does not fit the mold of what we consider to be a gadol in the classic sense. Uh, you know, you know, uh, Naftali wrote about the 25 books that he wrote, but the, the books that he wrote are general knowledge books. They're not like Chidushim on Gemara, and he wasn't considered a big Rosh Hashiva, and he certainly wasn't considered a posik of the, of the religious Zionist community in the classic Psak Halacha sort of sense. So in what way, oh, well, I'll ask it this way, Johnny, do you consider, he was definitely a leader of the religious Zionist community. Do you consider him a Gadol, as we would say? And if he was a Gadol, like what type of gadol? What 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 form of gadol would you say Rav Drukman was? Okay, so that's a, a very specific question, which I'll endeavor to answer. Uh, but to understand his gadlut, I think we need to just take a step back. And though Naftali gave us some sense of the uh, impact of Rav Drukman and his industrious life, I'd like to just share a brief biography, a little bit about him, uh, and I want to share it from both a perspective of me, and I'm not somebody, I didn't know of Drukman personally. However, where I live is very near to where he lives. And a lot of the people whom I live around, my my, my friends, my, the people I daven with, studied in his shiva, knew him personally. And so his passing was felt very strongly across Israel and across the world, but in particular uh, within the local yeshuvim uh, where I live. But there's no question that when you read about the life of Rav uh, Chaim Druckmann, he seems like a legend. And in the eyes of many, he was. And let me explain why. He, firstly, he passed away at age 90. He was born in Ukraine in 1932. He's a Holocaust survivor. He's somebody who made Aliyah. He served in the IDF. He built Kibbutzim uh, around about the establishment of the State of Israel. He founded the Oratzion High School in 1964. 
In fact, 10 years beforehand, he was among the founding students of Yeshiva Kerem Biyavne, from which I'm a student and many of our listeners would have heard of. He founded the Oratzion Yeshiva in 1977. He founded a conversion betim, which changed the lives of tens of thousands. He served in the Knesset four times. He wrote 25 books. He won the Israel Prize. Um, he was the head of the Hezdi Yeshiva Network. He was a spiritual head of B'nai Akiva. And so when you just think about that, you say, that's remarkable. Objectively, that level of impact in the lives of so many, in the establishment of so many institutions, is just incredible. And as I say, I know many people for whom their lives have been transformed because of Rav Druckmann. Now, you mentioned about him not being a posek, and, you know, my my leaning is towards halakha, but at the same time, I'm a strong believer that we need guides in machshava. And I would argue that he was, to many, a gadol b'machshava, especially within the religious Zionist world. He was a primary student of Tzvi Yudakuk. And he was somebody who took those ideas, really, from... Shivat Merkazarav, from his teacher, and gave it meaning uh, to his students. He was fundamentally uh, an educator, and through the shirim he gave, and the books he wrote, and the conversations he had, he left uh, a, a significant impact. So for those who knew him, he was a gadol through what he did in his life. He was great through the change he affected, and he was remarkable through what he taught which inspired not just one generation, but basically three generations of people. There are grandparents who were touched by the life of Rav Druckmann and their children and their grandchildren uh, till today. So he was a gadol b'machshava, beyond the fact, by the way, that though, you know, it's funny, I, 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 I'm a big fan of Truvot, and so we don't have many volumes of Truvot of Rav Druckmann, but in his neighborhood, he answered Shaida the whole time, meaning... Ask somebody, if you listen to the Hespedim, ask anybody in Melka Shapira, of course was a Posek. There's no question about it. So if we measure him as a community rabbi, he very much was both. So uh, he he was great in, in, in objectively, and he was great in the eyes of many. Now, just before I, you, 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 you ask me a further question or push me to answer the one you already asked me, I do want to just ask our listeners to yeah, I was do, about to push you. Cause, cause I know. I want there, to, there give me one second. There. there is greatness there, but those aren't the, usually the litmus tests by which the, cl the, the classic Jewish community measures their rabbinic leaders. I'm just going to say, not their lay leaders. I Meaning that you could say, like, you know, it's, you're right, it's an incredible litany of accomplishments, but they're clown accomplishments. You would say, oh, wow, you know, he had a great lay career in a sense, if you understand what I'm saying. Well, not so. so so let me just say two things. Number one, it, it's interesting because in the days and weeks that have followed since his passing, we've heard different um, summaries of his life. And we're going to get to some of the complicated bits soon for those who are listening and say, but we 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 also aware of the but. Um, still, if you compare the Hebrew Wikipedia page of Odrukman to the English, you'll see, you'd think they're talking about two completely different things. The English one says he was an educator who served in the Knesset for four times and established these things. And that's basically it. Uh, this happens, by the way, oftentimes with the Israeli personality of the Hebrew Wikipedia page is significantly longer. The question is, what is it focusing on? And the, the, the Hebrew Wikipedia page about him focuses on all these things and so much more. It focuses much more on the human impact 
of him in his neighborhood institutionally and and i often fear that when people try and evaluate somebody they try and do it through a very poor summary of of what they've necessarily done in their life now you mentioned about gadlut and klau Rav Druckmann, and I say this, say knowing people who who are, are students of his and having listened to their spedim, he took pride in being someone who cared about Klau. This, by the way, is part of the legacy of Rav Cook Senior and his son Rav Tzvi Yehuda. Meaning, that's not a uh, a diminishment of his of his contribution on the country. This is what pushed him uh, to be accessible to all. As you said, his door was open the whole time to every stream of Jew. Uh, and though he was very staunch in his uh, being a voice within the religious Zionist world, he was somebody who met with and spoke with and learned from all types of people. And one of the last pictures that was seen of him uh, was a told us Aaron Yitzchak uh, going to visit him in hospital, meaning a Hasidic Rebbe talking with him in learning. And that itself, as I say, speaks volume. So yes, Klal was important to him. And I'll just end my uh, contribution with one uh, final thought. You know, I think when you read some of the ideological writings of people, especially like Rav Druckmann, sometimes you could think they're very firebrand, uh, and and uh, and you can think that perhaps they're even almost ideological extremists. We well know that the I religious Zionists. I don't. I never thought. I mean, I read. I don't. Can't say I've read a lot of his works. I've thought of his works as very. How shall I say this? Very middle of the road, very staunch religious Zionists, and are very like right, you no, know. Correct, this is correct. Torah. They're, they're, they're staunch religious Zionists, and I'd say actually they they found a, 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 a now, nowadays way that's of, considered extremist, but okay. That's that's I suppose what I was trying to get to. He was taking the Torah to the cook, trying to bring it to the modern world. For some people, that's bread and butter. That's exactly who they are. For other people, it's a little bit extremist. What I do know is, and, and this I say just from life experience. Even those who didn't see the world the way they saw, the way he saw it, we need those voices. Like I really strongly believe that we need people who are passionate and committed, who say what they think and do so eloquently. And he did that for many decades. And even if there are points uh, in which I would disagree with his worldview, and there are, by the way, we need those people because having many different voices helps us reach a consensus in society. And I don't think there are many within the religious Zionist world who have been so eloquent about the ideological foundations of the Hester. Uh, I know we speak about Lichtenstein, but he was only one of few. There aren't so many who speak with so, such a clarity about Zionism, religious Zionism, as Rav Druckmann. So he became an important mouthpiece for a movement and for a community. You know, it's interesting when I think about it, I'm going to come to Mali in one second, um, I think about like th there is in the world there is significant value to the to the to the idea of longevity, meaning like he he you accumulate as people age and become more and more senior, you accumulate a certain sense of authority and legitimacy that that he, he didn't have when he was seventy five and he didn't have when he was eighty. But as time goes along and there are less and less senior members and less and less connections to the past. All of a mm -hmm. sudden, that person becomes the authority person who speaks with that mantle. And I think that, I, I, don't, I don't know if he enjoyed it, but he certainly understood it and appreciated it. And I think a lot of his, uh, his, imp his imperture, his importance and significance stem from that fact. And I don't think that's a criticism. It, it was his, 
like you said, his bread and butter. He was, I always saw him as very bread and butter, but he never changed. He always stood for the things that he stood for. And that longevity has a, has a way of attracting people to you and making you the rabbinic authority for, you know, for the religious Zionist movement. So I want to turn to Molly and uh, ask you the same question. You know, does Rav Druckmann fit in your definition of a gadol? And if so, uh, which definition? What kind of gadol? Right. So, so um, first of all, I think you're right about the longevity issue. I think it's a it's a very good point. Um, but I, I would say like this: before I get to the gadol part, I'll answer that at the end. I'll say like Johnny. That's all, you know, like you guys. So my question to get to you, <laughs> so that you can say what you want to say. Exactly. And then, and then, and then answer we'll the question. Answer your question at the yeah. end. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> the thread does lead to the answer. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so I, I, I agree with Johnny. Like, his passing was felt very strongly, like, you know, again, like WhatsApps, community WhatsApps, and, you know, neighbor WhatsApps. And, like, you see how significant Israelis, who religious Zionist Israelis who grew up here, how much he meant to them and how um, real and alive he was in their lives in a way that he wasn't necessarily in my life. And so that kind of led me to start looking around and, and trying to understand who this person was of Druckmann. I've heard of him. Um, you know, his name was, was was important. You know, Johnny mentioned in his community, he certainly felt it. So I wanted to know. So I started kind of like researching a little bit. And I, I, so I'll tell you what I, like what I'm left with after doing this reading. So, so the first thing that influenced me very strongly was a piece by Stephen Rav Meir, who the first thing she wrote about him after he passed away. And she, from the perspective that Johnny had said, where we're talking here about somebody who escaped from a, 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 a communist background, then escaped the Nazis. She said like he escaped the Nazis three times, came here as a child. Um, and the way she framed it was, this is a person who, you know, in the early, was, was here from the early years of the state, looked around and didn't believe that orthodoxy was going to continue, right? Orthodoxy was in danger. And that struck me because that's often how I think about American Jewry. When I think about, again, Rev Soloveitchik or even, even Rev Aaron Cutler in Lakewood, right? When they, when we spoke to this a little bit last week, when they came to America, they were like, we, like, we don't know whether Orthodox Judaism, Halachic Judaism, Torah Judaism is going to survive. And so he dedicated his life to, his Mif'al Chayim was to create a vibrant, Dati Le'umi, religious, um, Zionist orthodoxy, and I think we have to. You think, you see think it. for him it was about vibrancy, a survival, or vibrancy? vibrancy. See, in America, I think it's about survival. Exactly, in, you know that's a saying? great in, point. In Israel, I think it's about. I think I think it is about vibrancy. One of the examples she gives is like when he was like you know Chanicha Benekiva, and he like proudly walked through the streets with his arbaminim, like nobody did that. Right, and now it's like you can't walk in the streets of of, of uh, I don't know any city in Israel on the I, I don't know why you know the first day of Sukkot and not see everybody walking around with their arbaminim. It was a different world, and I so I think we also owe that perspective and that debt of gratitude to people who, as Rav Drukman did, dedicated Yomam Valila to to um, to to building and rebuilding. For him, I would say, we can use the phrase, Am Yisrael, Be'er Yisrael, Pitar Yisrael. That's really who he was, and it's really what he did. Um, and he did it through, um, you know, his Mif'al Chayim. Like, I agree with Johnny. I think he fundamentally fundamentally viewed himself as a, as a mechanech, as a teacher. Um, and he founded, you know, he, he founded Oretzion. Or he was also apparently on the board of the, the Hezderi, the you know, Agudat Hezderi Yeshiva. He was the guiding light of Bnei Akiva. He's the head of, of, of the million um, 
B'nai Akiva high schools, both male and female, in this country, right? So, so that's in Chinuch, right? That's definitely. I, mean, I think we know nothing about his political involvement. I think I'm sure was hugely important. Political, he was and in the Knesset. Controversial. If you if you heard, listen to that. He was in the Knesset four times, right? right he didn't he, necessarily but he want broke to be. Away. He also created his own, own party. I think mm-hmm. in the middle. I don't. Of time, I, think, I don't remember right? that. And again, like right, I'm saying, we there's like so correct. much we don't know about his life. And, and, you know and, what and I mean? we have all these conversations about: is there one religious Zionism? Are there many religious Zionisms? You actually asked about that. I thought that was a good question that you asked in the interview. And I think we could say we fairly could say there are many religious Zionisms. But Druckmann's religious Zionism. It's not exactly my religious Zionism, you know. And again, with full respect to Rav Tzvi Yehuda and Rav Neria and that whole path, it's not, it's, well, it hasn't always been exactly the way I would define what it is to be an ideal religious Zionist. That's fine. That's okay. But it's for sure the majority of religious Zionists, and it certainly was the majority of religious Zionists for many, many years, he's found a Gush Emunim. But whatever you, exactly, as Johnny said, whatever you think about Gush Emunim, it's not my place, it's not my world, but let's remember that Rav Amital was there, founding Gushemunim, and then he moved a little bit. So this is a person who had such a profound effect on the shape of the state of Israel in that way also. Wait, um, I, I like to think about it this way, Rav Amital passed away at what age? When did he pass away? Not, when did he pass away? Meaning, imagine if Rav Amital had lived till 90. Till he was 90, right. Yes. Imagine if Rav Luchlistin had lived till he was 90. Oh my goodness, correct. You know? Correct. Okay, yeah. So 100% I agree with you. Um, so, but the other thing that that I think so he's had effect in so many ways, and I also agree with the thing you the first thing you opened with, which is so was me to me was so profoundly moving, was that whenever no matter who talked about him across the political spectrum, what they emphasized was his ahavat Yisrael, his love of the Jewish people, like like the nation of Israel, but also his love of individuals and the way he lived that and story I find after that story, amazing, amazing to have, to have endless energy. For the endless yes. amount of people that need you to Correct. help Correct. And, and the stories that every single person told the same story. I called Harav at midnight and Harav <laughs> yeah, said, come like over now. stories like that. Yes. And they're like, come over now. That means I'm not only I'm not going to arrive until two in the morning. And they arrived at two in the morning and then he was there. And he was doing this. Um, this is another thing I, I mentioned to the two of you. Anybody who reads Hebrew, I recommend going to Aviyah Kohen's Facebook page. Aviyah Kohen is a very interesting person and he cannot be accused of being a radical right wing extremist the opposite um I, I, I you know he's he's taught in i think he's from Tukoh, he was in Tukoh for many years and he taught in um it's gonna where is it it's the kibbutz Adati movement that's where it is he's, he's taught there you know this is not a radical right-wing extremist by any means he was a ben but he's a very thoughtful person very impressive very thoughtful person uh by the way we didn't mention mafal giur that that he he was one of the main people who 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 started opening up um, figuring out how to convert people, not in a Haredi perspective, let's just put it that way, but to go back to Aviyah Kohen. So Aviyah Kohen was a Ben Bayan. Aviyah Kohen learned in... in wait, wait, um, Molly, if you're going to mention the Mifal you, you cannot ignore the fact that it's halachically incredibly controversial. Yes, I wanted to Rav get to Sherman that. Before Rav issued his Pesach. Yes. Just, just wanna, uh, for people who are listening who are not aware of this, so Rav Drukman, he created, at some point the government realized that there were tens of thousands of of of, uh, of Olim from the former Soviet Union and and uh, the classic conversion authority or the Batei did that existed at the time were were much more stringent than these people would would be able to pass muster. So it's obviously clear that the government I, th- I don't know who the prime minister was turned to Rav Drukman and said you've got to fix this you have to solve this problem and it involves a tremendous amount of halachic flexibility. We'll say that in the in the most generous way possible in order to try to, to accommodate these people. 
and to accommodate their conversion needs. And it raised a lot of questions, and I think legitimate questions. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just a political hack yes. job at all. Oh, not at all. However, at the same time, I think the way you described it um, is exa- exactly what, we've, what we're hearing about with Drukman, that he was willing to have halachic flexibility because of his incredible desire to help people. And that's another one of the stories that Avyakohain tells. Is like he, I think it was also a gear case where he, he went to him and he brought it to him and he, he, you know, he, he cries when he hears the story and then he thinks and he thinks and he thinks and he couldn't solve the problem. Somebody else solved the problem, but just the description of how important it was for him to figure out how to solve the problem. But the point that I wanted to make was the picture you get from Avyakohain is of a person who is, first of all, very honest and very straight, Second of all, willing to talk to anybody, willing to accept criticism of Yaakov and says to him, I critiqued him on A and I critiqued him on B. He also paints a picture of somebody who sort of, as Johnny said, maybe in public, of Yaakov says, I wish in public he would have taken a stronger stand against X or against Y, but in private, it was very clear to me that, that we were on the same page. But again, the bottom line is this, this description of a person who was so full of Havat Yisrael and sincerity, whose house, not just that he was up until all hours of the night, no matter, you know, what time it was helping people, but that his house was full of people, right? When, when, in, the, when in the interview, uh, Naftali says, you know, it was literally true. There were, uh, there were people in that house all the time being taken care of. And that like, is something... Like I said, his wife, I said in the interview, his wife sounds amazing. You know, his wife was Absolutely. a physician in the 1960s. A female mm. physician, mother of nine. Yes, that's right. And she was like the first one who got her doctorate as a like, from person. Amazing. Really amazing interesting. Story. Fascinating. Yeah. But yeah. I, I want to get back to your question, right? So you said like, well, but is this our typical Godzol picture? So I actually just had this conversation before we interviewed with, um, I hope it's okay with David that I'll say this with, with David, uh, my husband. And he said like, listen, Rav Drukman is not your classic Lamden like the Salavechik Luchsensteins. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and like... Okay, and that's true, and we know that. But I think that with time, we're also starting to realize that that's not the only um, metrics by which you judge a great leader. You judge a great leader and a great um, also spiritual leader by their ability to, um, how, they, how, how they run communities, how they interact with people, um, what types of institutions they leave, what kind of messages they give to people. And so David had said to me, you know, like, so Rav Drukman was a different type of rabbinic figure. But when Rav Drukman was attacked by, at, at, at that time, as you said, by Rav Sherman and the Beitzim, basically what happened was that they they said all of his um, giurim, which was, I forgot how many, but like this ridiculous amount of people would, would now retroactively not be Jewish, Rav Lichtenstein went to the protest to defend Rav Drukman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Which 100%. says something that says that Rav Lichtenstein says, you can't behave this way. You cannot possible this person. You cannot possible his Torah. You cannot, you know, you can't, you cannot possible his halachic psak. Right? And that itself says something. So when you say to me, like, what's a gadol? I would say, like, first of all, I don't know if I would use the word gadol here because I, it's, he's, not, he's not my spiritual leader in that way. So I don't know how I'd throw I, I, I it. I don't know how, how and when I would apply that word. But if we're talking about leadership and, um, you know, like recognizing great greatness, both in, in personality with the flaws that, you know, we'll, we definitely have to address because we know that that's on our readers' minds. I think that... We have listeners. Th- there's a... L- what? We have oh, listeners. I said readers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, yeah. Um, I think we do have to 
have to have that kind of broader perspective about what makes a leader. And I think I think that's what we're seeing with Rajukma. You know, to me, I'm going to go back to Johnny in a second. To me, sometimes a gadol is what Klal Yisrael says that it is. And when 60,000 people come to, you know, after Me'a Be'esri, my funeral, then they'll say that I was a gadol. But until that time, until the prime minister and the former prime minister and all of the leaders of the communities and members of Knesset get up and speak at, you know, at our funerals, you know, Klal Yisrael decides who they choose as their leaders and who they see as their religious leaders. And I'm quite comfortable with that. Johnny, before we get, do you want to say something, respond to Molly before we get to, uh, to our, our final topic? Well, yeah, in fact, maybe I'll say something which kind of bridges the two. You mentioned the funeral. My, my eldest daughter went to it, and it, it started a little bit sunny, and then it started absolutely pouring down. It wasn't mm. just people were there. People were there getting completely drenched and didn't move an inch because they were there for a leader, for a teacher, for a role model, for somebody that inspired them and their community. And, and those images alone were like, wow, that's, that's real COVID. People... Uh, really wanting to show respect, and and in terms of the the issue with uh, Diane Sherman, if anybody wants to learn a little bit more about this, is a really important article in English in tradition by Rav Rimon, describing the unsettling way in which uh, uh, Rav Drucken was cancelled. This wasn't merely a, a halachic disagreement. There was some very unpleasant plays done against him, uh, and I would encourage people to read that. And the reason I want to use that word cancel is uh, oftentimes, especially in a, in a uh, landscape where most people don't share your ideological view, and in terms of religious leadership in Israel, uh, most of the people with similar uh, involvement in politics or with similar size institutions weren't necessarily religious Zionists as Rav Druckmann, uh, and sometimes slightly more open-minded about certain issues. You mentioned Gil. Uh, he ran the risk of being cancelled because sometimes that's how things work out. Uh, we, it's a modern word, but it's certainly historic practice. And uh, when you're an ideological leader, you oftentimes have to suffer for what you believe in. We mentioned before of Amitana of Liechtenstein, they too had to take a lot of flack for their own beliefs uh, and were often harshly criticized. Rav Druckmann, I'd say, uh, suffered uh, even more than them for, for this particular reason. Um, but one of the reasons is precisely because he was successful. Generally, you don't cancel somebody who is useless. You go out for somebody who you think has in our platform and you want to pull them down. And though there were mistakes made, and some religious leaders do have blind spots and do leave uh, mixed legacies, I think the way we've spoken about Rob, Rob Druckmann here is to recognize the substantial legacy in the lives of tens of thousands, which if people don't know that, then that's what they don't know. But I can tell you as first-hand uh, sight, that's the case. And So that, um, that obviously, Johnny, leads us into the, the no, final but, but, question. No, one second. But, but to, what, to, 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 to what level we belabor the, flaw, the flaws of people, sometimes there's a choice. Because we can often find errors in the lives of some, and I think he made some seismic errors, and I want to be very clear on record, and these are topics Wait, that let me ask the question, so we'll me go greatly. back, and then, you, and then, you, and then you, can, you can answer, and then we'll go to Mali. So obviously, I brought it up with Naftali as well. The thing that, that was so disconcerting, and I even wrote a post about it, I was very upset about it at the time, was Rav Drukman's 
willingness to have Ramati alone uh, speak, teach at Oretzion, even after this forum called Forum Takana had issued a ruling and a, and a decision that Rabalon simply was not fit to, to teach and to be around young people. And Rav Jukman ignored them. And he, he welcomed Rabbi Alon into his, into, his, uh, into his yeshiva and into his institution mm-hmm. to teach, which led to sadly tragic, uh, tragic results and legitimately upset very, very many people. So, so how does that color in your mind? Does that color his legacy? And so, if so, uh, in what way has to, should it be remembered, I would say? That's the question. In what context or in, in, what, in what way it can't be ignored? But how do we put it in a certain in the right context? So it directly colors how I see him. I, I when when these events were unfolding, it bothered me directly. I had personal conversation with people, knew him directly. I asked them directly what was going on because I found it to be uh, outrageous. Um, and while we can, and I know Naftali reflected on, there was a, at least some public change of stance uh, later on. Nevertheless, at that point, it's not the way that a person should behave, and certainly not a way a leader should behave. And while it may be complicated because you have a personal connection with somebody who's done terrible things, our task is to look beyond that personal connection and, and pursue uh, morality and pursue justice and do what is tov yasha. Uh, so, so it does, absolutely. And, and I believe it was wrong then. I believe it to be wrong now. And though perhaps in time, due to pressure, he, he uh, capitulated, that doesn't justify the stance he took uh, over a prolonged period of time, which put, put, which put people at risk. And there are one or two other cases where his attitude towards um, alleged abuse or alleged abusers uh, seems to have been more dismissive than I think one should have been even then, especially now where we have a better understanding of things, but even then. So, however, and by, by the way, the however <laughs> is a like you had that even then. No, <laughs> but the however, and it's not a counterbalance. I mean, these are two statements which stand absolutely independent of one another. He has a substantial legacy, which is important to acknowledge, and I really believe one should. And part of that legacy is a troubled legacy, which is important to acknowledge, and I'm deeply, deeply unsettled because of it for a whole uh, bunch of reasons. Uh, sometimes, though, we seem to think that one snapshot it, it means we can have the luxury of ignoring the other. There are people who wrote uh, obituaries who made no mention of this. I think that's wrong. And there are people who only made mention of this, and I think that's profoundly wrong, just, just in terms of kind of pers- we mentioned longevity. It's not for me to get in the headspace or the mind space of, of somebody whom I didn't know, who I didn't have a direct conversation with. We've heard from Natali. Um, and he made the wrong decisions more than once. And that's wrong. In many ways, to my mind, end of conversation. However, and that's my third second, however, it's funny. and It's not so funny. It's tra- tragic. The speed with which we use this measuring yard of failure seems to be applied differently to different people. And I would say it's used more harshly um, with people we don't know and more gently with people we do. And if we really want to take a moral stance, and I think 
we must. I think we should always stand up for victims. And and, and uh, I, I hope they have a clear record on that and, and unfortunately personal experience with that. But if we want to do that, it has to be done universally. And and I found that some people are, are quick to to re remind us of this ketem, of this stain on Rav Dutman's legacy, and yet don't seem to be so troubled when it comes down to others. And and he made mistakes. He he did things which I believe to be wrong. He also did some remarkable things, and that's why we feel the need to mention both. And I think every reflection on him in the right way needs to mention both as well. Molly, I'll turn it over to you. I know this is uh, something that you work on that was important to you. I, I, I think we even spoke about it at the time. It wasn't that, that long ago. Um, how, what's your response to Johnny's thoughts? Meaning, obviously, um, as Johnny mentioned, it, it, it was troubling. It was troubling then, and it's, it's troubling now. At the same time, as Johnny mentioned, everyone has a soft spot for people they have personal relationships with. So it doesn't excuse it, but it, it frames it. How do you see yeah. these things? So, so uh, yeah, I agree. So certainly, it, 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 it definitely was troubling then. It continues to be troubling now. I'm with Johnny on this. Like, um, and I think maybe that's even how I frame it. Because to me, as you said, like, I think about this all the time, which is my vision, you know, when I think about the issue of sexual abuse in our communities, to me, one of the most important things is moving the needle on um, kind of understanding reality, seeing reality, seeing abuse, understanding abuse, identifying abuse, um, recognizing that it happens, recognizing that abusers don't look like abusers, abusers look like Mati alone. Um, you, you, you know what I'm saying? And like, I, I to me, it's it's fundamental. It's so important that our community starts opening its eyes and understanding how to um, shift to a place where I think they're getting of of reluctance to believe that it happens, either because they don't want it to be happening in our community or because it doesn't sound like, like the person who is the abuser seems to, to be such a wonderful person from so many other, right? There's so much dissonance around it. To, to moving to a place of, um, of, of identifying and protecting victims and survivors. To me, that is, that's like one of the most important things that I think for me um, I would like to see happen in our community. And for me, it's not going to happen completely until the leaders learn to do this as well. But that's why I view this. That's how I view it. I view it through the lens of watching leaders slowly, slowly start to get it. And every time a leader doesn't get it, I'm infuriated. And, and Rav Rukun was not the only one I remember. And, and I, don't, I don't need to say who, but there was another somebody who tremendous Baal Chesed and then he defended somebody and I was like how how is that possible how is that possible I ended up even writing to their institution you know because it, because it, to me it's about but my my perspective is not to vilify these people also and let's remember we're not talking about the abusers here right we're talking about the the rabbinic leaders who are making mistakes because they just like the rest of us and just like the lay people have a very hard time wrapping their heads around the fact that people that they know who they know who they see positives can be abusers and that's certainly the case with Riv Drukman who was as we know it was just certainly not justifying it right but like this is a guy who just loved people and could then this is again it's Aviyah Cohen says he could not fathom that that somebody who he knows in this way could behave in, in, in this other way. And so to me, it's like about education. It's about helping people know that 
yes, they can. Let's start, you know, like, like, um, um, educating so that people will be able to, to yes, to more quickly recognize the truth and stands up clearly when the truth is out there and when, um, you know, their role as leaders of the community, again, is to protect survivors, um, protect potential, protect survivors who there every time um, rabbinic leaders, defense survivors feel re-traumatized, protect people for in the future so that they know that, um, that, that, that they can, can speak out. And as, as we know, even today, we are in the midst of a giant, giant um, scandal with a tremendously well-revered religious leader in certain circles. And there, I, I know many women who are extremely upset about what's going on right now, but that's not our topic. But my point is, you, you know, you don't talk about right, Ruby, right? The person getting out of prison. Person getting out no, of no. I'm. I'll just say it. I'm talking about Raftel. Right. I, I, I want to be clear, topic. by the way. Not it's, our it's topic. Not, it's not just but, women. I mean, I, I, certainly not just women. So with Ravi, with Ravi Lone, it was not women. It was young men. No, right? no. I, I'm saying you don't want people who are upset. Trust me, I'm upset. Yes, and also not just women are upset. That's true, also. But it was also, it's, uh, uh, you know, um, the predators prey not just on women. They prey on they prey on boys yeah, and men as well. Yeah. Um, but so, but for me, therefore, the 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 lens I look at it through is I understand why it's hard for these rabbinic leaders, and at the same time, I I would like the work to be to go leader by leader by leader by leader and help them become educated and accountable and um, willing to stand up. And, and the ones who get it faster, I must admit, earn my admiration. <laughs> you know, like those, those are the people who I'm like, kalakavod. the ones who get it slower, I'm more frustrated with. Absolutely no question. Um, but I'd rather look at it through the lens of like, we're, we're moving this needle and we've got to keep moving this needle and we've got to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing until every rabbinic leader has the full understanding um, about this issue and the understanding about how much their voice ne- is needed to to do, to do what, what we've been talking about, Rav Drukman wanted to do, which he tried to do, which is defend the weak um, and the and the voiceless and be the voice of the voiceless. Because when you ask me what a gadol is, that's really what a gadol is in my mind. Um, you know, that's what Halachic man tells us a gadol is. That's that the champion of the widow and the orphan and the, and the voiceless. That's a gadol. Well, so that's he really was the champion of the widow and he the orphan. He was. Orphaned. And Come in on. this area... You see, it's, it's, it's interesting. Listening to you, like, I think... I, 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 of course, I, I, of course, agree with everything you said. But it seems to me, like, I think we need to be a little, a little more... Um, I, I don't know if the word is forgiving, but a little more understanding. I'll, I'll explain That's what why. I'm saying. My I'll lens is not about why. right, but I because try to make one it of the, for the myself. That, the thing that we said that we that we that people found so appealing about Reb Druckmann, or that I found so mm-hmm. appealing, was that he was this rock that he represented this ideology that he stood for what he stood for. And, and Naftali said it too that you know he didn't change, and that you know throughout like he he promoted his ideology and he stuck with it, and he didn't he didn't change to become more radical. He didn't change to become less radical. And people like that, like, you know, the world changed around sexual abuse. You know, I don't, I don't need to tell you this, but like for de- decades and decades, it was like, look the other way, pretend it didn't happen and hope for the best. And, uh, you That's know, what Johnny like, was alluding to. We have plenty of uh, modern Orthodox leaders who look the other way no, and don't get the same type of criticism. No, but yes. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, right, we, we wanted him to, to change in his, in his later years and he should have changed. 
But at the same time, we did want him to change except for that. We loved him for not changing except for when he didn't change. And I think yes. that, that that's, okay, that's all I'm saying. I agree with you. That's all I'm I agree saying. with you. Saying, I don't disagree with you. I just, I still think we have to say yes, but, but that's also we, the we mark of a great think, leader. But we tend to think, we, t- we love to criticize, but we never see that things have two sides. And that if you would have wanted him to change, maybe he would never have been the person that he was and the leader that he was and the anchor for so many people in the community. Okay. Although he did change, to be fair. He did yeah. come out and he said, I was wrong. I yeah. was wrong. I didn't think he, he that it was true. Now I know that it's true and it is wrong. And I think that's also the mark of a great leader is that if you have to, a great leader has to be willing to say that he was wrong. That's another sign of leadership. Um, but I agree with you. That's why I'm saying I'm not coming from a place of, I agree with Johnny, that this black and white, like, you know, way of, of, of postling a person. It's not my, pa- my attitude. My attitude is, my role is to just keep educating and educating and educating and hoping that that um, Bezrat Hashem will, will reach a point where this becomes something that's a, that's a given. Johnny, we'll turn to you to wrap it up. Um, okay, well, you know, it's an, we, we've spoken about an educator and a leader who contributed to the fabric of Israeli society in, in many, many ways. Uh, and his contribution, for example, to Yeshivot Ezdel, has shaped our world. And even if we don't necessarily share the ideological view of Druckmann, the ideological view that we hold right now has likely come from the view which he basically shared, which for some of us shifted in time in response to Hitnat in response to the views of other leaders we had, Rav Amital, Rav Lichtenstein, in response to our own independent thought. But as mentioned before, I think we need these voices. Uh, obviously, that doesn't justify uh, those individual errors. Um, but we need people who are passionate, who say what they believe. And what I do find stark is, he has somebody who's 90 years old, who, as mentioned before, and I'll go back to what he said at the beginning, is a legend in the eyes of many. And there may well be listeners who haven't read a thing he's written, even though he wrote 25 books. Uh, I find that to be really quite crazy. And it, part of it, by the way, is to do with the distribution of books, not necessarily the quality of it. Because he's got a book in published. English. Apparently, he's got a book in English. Upset, but uh, the, and the other twenty-five by the row at the moment are on a discount because she <laughs> wants to perpetuate them. But the, you know, if to think that you've got a religious Zionist leader who wrote twenty-five books about issues to do with Torah, Chagim, Machshava, right? And most of us haven't read maybe even a page of that tells us either something about his disconnect, and as we've said, he actually wasn't disconnected. Maybe it's to do with our disconnect. And we've often spoke about different religious Zionisms. And uh, maybe we need to do more to learn from people different to us. We spoke about of Dortmund being somebody who met different people. I think all too often we ourselves try and surround ourselves with people just like us. In the age of social media, that happens more and more. And you know, I was just recently, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to end in two minutes, I bought a sefer of the Shevet Alevi, uh, of, uh, of Shmuel Alevi Vosna. I'm going through his Sakim and Han Hagot, and, and some are very disagreeable to me. I'll, I'll share some of you with you a little bit later on. But why do I learn that sefer? Because he was a Rav who, who you know, generated some important opinions. My job is to learn how to tell the difference between ideas that speak to me and ideas that don't. 
My job is to learn the Shevet HaLevi. My job is to learn Vyol Moshe. My job is to learn Rav Druckmann. My job is to learn Rav Soloveitchik and then to formulate my own opinion. And that's what we need to do. And I'll end with one very small anecdote, which is uh, in my synagogue, the boy who sits the, the chair ahead of me studies in Yeshiva, uh, uh, Yeshiva. And he started there a couple of years ago. And I remember on a Friday night, he'd bring a Sefer of Druckmann. I thought, oh, that's kind of cute. He's studying the Yeshiva. He's learning his teachers for him. And then a few months later, having learned a few of the Sfarim, he started learning of Soloveitchik. And then he started reading other things. And I said, that's exactly right. You should learn that, and you should learn that, and you should learn that, and then formulate your own view. And, uh, and, and I think that's who we all need to be. And I think Rav Druckmann's ideas would be on our map. For many, they weren't. That's our fault. And notwithstanding the errors of his ways, um, I think his contribution to Machshava, Machshava Israel, shouldn't be diminished. And that, especially after his passing, perhaps now is the time to rectify that issue. And that's why we, we thought it was appropriate to talk about him. And hopefully, we've done a bit of a service to our listeners. You've uh, been introduced, uh, gotten a little bit more, got to know uh, someone who was very significant, major figure in the Israeli rabbinic, uh, uh, religious Zionist world. And maybe we've uh, given you a little bit of thought this RZ Weekly. Okay, I want to thank you, Rabbi Johnny Solomon. I want to thank Rabbi Mali Bravsky. Wishing you all a great week, and we'll see you next time. Have a good week, everybody.